Yeah, I'm here to buy leather, and I'm like, can you, do you notice something? Where are the cows now? Hoagie, good thing you don't order the water. The smell of rotting flesh. 150 years of continuous operation at this site. The river, he said, was a menace to the tannery property. The panic button of life. We've got great kids who skateboard and do outrageous things. To respect and to appreciate art. Hello and welcome to Extant, Sound History of the Santa Cruz Tannery. I'm Yulia Gillich, and I'm a media artist and researcher. I'm Kathleen Aston, an archivist and public historian. We're both based in Santa Cruz, California. Extant is a locative sound installation exploring the labor history of the Santa Cruz Tannery. The Tannery Arts Center is an eight-acre art campus situated in Santa Cruz, California, along the banks of the San Lorenzo River. The site sits on the ancestral lands of the Owaswa-speaking Ohlone peoples. It is in this area that the industrial leather tannery was established in 1856 until the forces of neoliberal global capitalism led it to close in 2001. In the early aughts, the city of Santa Cruz purchased the land and, having preserved and repurposed some of the industrial buildings and machinery, transformed the site into an arts campus. Since 2009, the Tannery Arts Center has been providing affordable housing as well as studio and exhibition space for local artists who would not be able to afford to live in the area otherwise. So in 2022, Kathleen and I decided to collaborate on this project. We spent months doing archival research, conducting oral history interviews, and doing field recordings. And we basically created this interactive audio tour. And if you happen to be in the Santa Cruz area, and you download our app, and you go to the grounds of the Santa Cruz Tannery, uh, which is now the Tannery Art Center, your GPS coordinates are going to trigger the sound pieces that we recorded and installed throughout the Tannery grounds. But now that this installation is live, and if you want to download it, you should go to extanttannery.com, and we will link um, our website and the download instructions in the episode notes. But so since the installation is live, why are we recording this podcast, Kathleen? We are recording this podcast because we have so much incredible content from so many of the incredible folks who spoke to us through these oral history interviews that we've conducted, um, and so much of it that we just can't put it all in one sound installation. And so we thought we would gather some of the most prominent themes, some of the best quotes, some of the hottest takes, some of the cutest sentiments, and put them together in a podcast to give folks a, a little bit of a richer, deeper connection um, to the installation experiences that are a little bit more kind of, you know, self-led. You can dip in and out. And these are a deeper dive that's going to reflect some of the same content you're going to see there. Yeah, I also think the installation is only available on the site of the Santa Cruz Tannery, and this podcast will make these oral histories available to everyone. Um, and so podcast is a great way to give those oral histories and conversations life. And I know part of why we wanted to do the podcast is for the sound installation, we really tried to pull pieces from those conversations that really reflect what's happening as you move through the space. But we also have so much other incredible storytelling that people did that is a bit more abstract, maps a little bit differently onto your experience of the tannery. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we had a venue to talk about those. And that is also part of why we wanted to do the podcast. Kathleen. You came up with the title. What does Extant 
mean to you? Extant means that something is still here. And also it's a pun. And I'm a sucker for puns. Um, Extant, it's spelled E-X, capital T-A-N, like for tannery, lowercase t. And I do think that it is, I was pun blinded because it's definitely a much better written pun, like a visual pun, than it is a verbal one. And so I made us name an oral history, an audio-focused project, something that looks better written than said. What did you say, Extant? Say say the phrasing again. It still exists. Like it's still here. Like it's still here. I think that's exactly what like I was hoping to get at with this project. Um and again, like thinking through like the different layers of history of this place. Like indigenous history, like and indigenous people of this area are still here. Like the the toxicity that the leather tannery produced is still here. It's in the land and it's in the water. And like the objects that the tannery produced are still here. Um, And the art that folks are making in the space right now is here now and will remain here. And I, I think it's really exciting to see like these histories intertwine and like actually observe like, yeah, what is still here? in this place, even if it's like made invisible and we're not noticing um, those elements every day, but they're still here. I will also say that the term locative is, has been new to me as part of this project, even though I'm a person who likes sound and likes walking and locations and I like locations. (laughs) So do you want to give a a formal definition of locative, Yulia? (laughs) My understanding of what locative is is it's the kind of media that is installed in a specific place. It is interactive and it is geographically specific that really has the capacity to like envelop you in space and like give you a really enhanced experience of the physical space. And like maybe it's the space that you visit every day or maybe it's the place that you are visiting for the first time ever. But I think the exciting part about locative media is that um, you can ignore it. Like, you, it just gives you another layer of um, understanding and experience of that specific location, of that specific place. One aspect of this piece that I like a lot is that we were able to combine these field recordings. Um, so the sounds of the river sounds of cows, sounds of like, um, you know, leather working um, with the stories that people were telling. I really appreciated like learning about the like day-to-day operations of Salt's Tannery. The way we did it is we spoke to a few former Salt's Tannery workers um, and we met with them on the tannery grounds. And so we asked them to give us a walking tour and walk through the space as it exists and looks right now and tell us what used to be here when they worked at the tannery. And that was, I don't know, that was like a roller coaster ride for me. 
it was like really exciting to move through space geographically, but like through those stories and histories, like move through space temporally. Like I felt really like transported um, through those conversations. And so I hope that like that quality of storytelling like actually carries um, both in the installation piece and maybe in this podcast. So in going through and speaking to live work artists and former workers, we also recognize that, you know, this site has been a place of like rich connections for many different kinds of people and many different kinds of community over the years. And some of those are things that we're not able to fully speak to. So we also did pull in experts on different aspects of the history of the space um, or different aspects of like the environmental nature of the space. And so something you'll also hear in these interviews and in the in the installation is, you know, we're calling them sort of like local experts, um, people who can speak to things like Martin Rizzo Martinez talking about the indigenous history of the Portrero community um, or, you know, talking about uh, we have a Martin DeVecca, who talks about the history of like leather in the classical world. Kathleen, why did you want to work on this project. So Yulia and I have collaborated as friends and we heard about this opportunity that the Arts Council was offering to um, offer small grants to support folks who were going to do public art centered on the tannery. And so we went and we walked around the tannery campus, Yulia and I, and talked about our shared interests um, and different like topics and ways that we wanted to explore that space together. And one of the things that we saw while we were there was the history wall that already exists, um, an exhibit in collaboration with, I think, a bunch of different folks, but led by um, Nikki Silva and Charles Prentice, um, that interprets a, a big chunk of the history of the tannery for folks. And there were some interactives and some other things. It's it's lovely. It's aged a little bit, um, but it's wonderful. And it got me thinking in part about how much more I enjoy the spaces that I spend time when I have sort of access to the rich context that you know any space is created by, like history, environment, um, you know, industrial forces. And so we got to talking about um, a way we could activate that those kinds of ways of looking at the space. If you had to explain what Sonicers is to someone who has no idea, how, how would you describe this place? I would say that Santa Cruz is a town that thinks of itself as still being a sleepy beach town that doesn't need a lot of infrastructure um, and that just needs all the problems in the world to just leave it alone. Um, and that it's situated in a beautiful place that does kind of make it a little bit geographically isolated in some ways, um, but does not have enough resources or infrastructure to support like a rich and thriving and diverse community. Um, and so you get a town that has some really charming pieces and some really uncharming pieces and that just generally doesn't seem to be able collectively to like reconcile itself to like what people need more of to be able to live here. So I moved to Santa Cruz to attend a PhD program at UC Santa Cruz. And so as I was researching the program and talking to people about moving here, um, the vibe that 
folks were projecting is that Santa Cruz is like this radical place with like the history of radical politics and community organizing. And it's like really progressive politically. And it's so beautiful, like geographically and spatially. And there's the ocean and the forest and, and like all of it is true. But I think like, yeah, it's interesting that Santa Cruz strikes me as like stuck in like a romanticized notion of the past that like never quite existed. And it's not as radical as it thinks of itself. Um, it actually has like really prominent conservative like currents in city politics and the actually like the question of housing and the question of homelessness like is what reveals it immediately. Um, like the the fact that, you know, the numbers of folks in like the homeless community keeps growing every year and like the city keeps um, I don't know, making promises and like plans to whatever whatever they mean by addressing the homelessness issue. But like nothing ever happens um, except for police harassing and like moving homeless encampments from place to place. And just to pick up on that, I think that was a big thing for both of us to think about how everyone talks about the tannery because it's this really incredible community that has a lot to offer in terms of like creative experiences and like fun and pretty things. Um, and we use the word tannery kind of, it almost feels completely divorced from this industrial history. Um, but that industrial history is something that they definitely leaned into with the design of the campus. And it is also very recent. Um, and I think that was something that we were a little bit taken aback by ourselves and that a lot of folks that we've talked to throughout this process have been surprised that it was, you know, even in the 2000s, this was still a functioning actual tannery that made leather products. Um, and I think thinking about that sort of what surprises people and how we can kind of dig into that um, was something that was really exciting for me about doing this project this way. Yeah, I think the fact that the tannery closed in 2001 was a big surprise for me. Um, and as you said, for folks um, that we have been talking to throughout making this project. Um, like, I grew up in a town that is like an industrial center. Like, I know what industrial cities look like. I've lived in Buffalo, New York that like is a quote unquote post-industrial town, you can tell the history of that place. Like it's very obvious what happened. It was a very um, like bustling, industrial, wealthy city. Buffalo? Like Buffalo uh, at the turn of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. Like it grew even richer and bigger and like more exciting um, like around and right after the Second World War, and people had like solid union jobs in the steel industry, in the railroad industry, in grain silos. Like Buffalo was a massive like center for um, <laughs> cereal and like crop production. And then, you know, in like the 70s and 80s, the industry left, which is the history that we know in the US that like, that's what happened in Detroit. That's what happened, like, to many industrial centers. But with Santa Cruz, like, because the history of the industry leaving is so much more recent, 
it is incredible to me that like it feels that this history is more distant. It feels like, you know, and folks that we've talked about the tannery said that before, but like, oh, I thought the tannery closed in like late 1800s. Like the feeling of distance from being an industrial center is really striking. Part of those conversations about industry and about like changes in American industry um, that I think we're both interested in, and I know mine in part comes from growing up in a town whose primary employer was Shell Oil for most of my life, um, is this way that we have like changing ideas about what labor is. And like, you know, if I don't have a manufacturing job, like what does that mean about my relationship to work? And if there aren't manufacturing jobs available, what does that mean about people's available, like, capacity to live in certain places? And what people do for a living, unfortunately, has a big say in, like, what they have access to. And so um, I love the installation on the Tannery campus because anyone can, you know, the existing historical one that predates ours because people can walk up to it and engage with it. And that's something we've carried forward with our project where I love that it's something that people can just walk around and experience you know, at any time of day, um, you know, whenever they have a moment and there's, you know, no uh, explicit time commitment is necessary. You can dip in, you can dip out, you can come back. Um, you can like look into the oral histories um, that we're going to make available on the website. Yeah, I think both of our interest in labor like really brought together so many questions that have to do with who gets to live and work in that place? And what are the forces that end up displacing people? And like both of us are renters in Santa Cruz, which is, you know, basically unlivable um, in terms of cost of living. And so thinking about affordable housing and labor and displacement and industry and colonialism, like all... <laughs> Um, on in one place was really fascinating and challenging, but also like deeply, deeply interesting. I will say that one interesting challenge about working on this project is that we are looking at the tannery through the lens of labor and having like a place-based or like an issue-based project that that wants to like see how that particular theme can speak to a bunch of different parts of ourselves because we all contain multitudes and so does this project. Um, it has been a little bit tricky because so often this comes to feel like it's about housing. Yeah, and I think the difficulty that we experienced trying to reach former tannery workers like speaks to the issues that we're trying to address with this piece. So I think the, the very fact that the tannery closed just over 20 years ago. So realistically, we thought folks should be still around. Like people who used to work at the tannery should still be around. We should be able to talk to them. Uh, and it was incredibly hard to actually find people who still live in the area who used to work at the tannery. And so the fact that a lot of former South Tannery workers do not live in Santa Cruz anymore, like after the tannery closed, speaks to the fact of like how unaffordable and how unlivable it is um, as it exists right now. And on the other side of that coin, 
we were able to connect with live work artists who are residents at the tannery, several of whom also have art studios at the tannery. And many of them hosted us in their studios or in their apartments. Um, and we were able to connect with these folks because they're able to be here because they have access to this affordable housing complex. Um, and that was incredible to be in people's creative spaces while they're talking about their relationships to their creative work and their relationship to like other parts of their work lives and the really rich community that the Tannery um, campus fosters. The other thing that came up that I thought was really interesting is that the original leather tanners of this area are the indigenous people. And so thinking about like tannery as one of the prominent industries in Santa Cruz and California history that like contributed to its wealth, um, but also as a practice that like originally was an indigenous practice. One thing we did ask a lot of folks who were former tannery workers was how their relationship to working with leather changed their relationship or influenced their relationship with animals. Um, and I think that that was something that was like kind of hard at times because it can be a difficult topic, but was really interesting to get people's take on it, especially like as we're thinking about this sort of like, you know, part of this project is kind of like the, the reveal of like, this is a arts campus, but it's also deeply rooted in this like industrial history. Um, and then, you know, it kind of feels like a like a magicking away of that, you know, like it's that history is like definitely leaned into by the space and it's like beautiful, but it's transformed into something else. And then there are these people who are transforming animals into products and thinking about how that transformation might change their relationship to it is interesting. Um, and then talking to Martin, um, a historian of like the Portrero community and the mission about how relationship to animals was something that he saw come up a lot in his work about how like the Padres related to the indigenous people who were enslaved at the mission. I think cows are actually really interesting figures in this project because cows also relate to kind of the three layers of history um, that we're trying to think through. The introduction of um, cattle to California and to Santa Cruz coincided with Spanish colonialism, coincided with the building of the missions and the removal of the indigenous people, and also using that land for cattle herding. Um, and then those are the cows that whose skin was used for leather tannery. I also do think the figure of the cow is really interesting and also part of that. It's part of the transition between the industrial tannery and the tannery arts campus, um, which is a super complex history also. Um, and the we were told by folks who were involved in advocating for the development of this like affordable housing complex for artists, that one of the things that they did to um, engage the local community and like the town to support this project was make a bunch of paper mache cows. Um, and they were like these apparently cute, classic black and white type dairy cows more rather than like you know, the kinds of cows that would be used in leather manufacture um, and then would take them around town just to get people thinking about the tannery. And so the cow became like this sort of like charming way of getting people excited about like a complex um, project that was going to require incredible investment from so many different actors. So the cow has done a lot of work here. A lot of heavy lifting. The, the cow has done a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> 
Okay, so we mentioned a few themes that emerged as we were beautiful minding our way through these histories. What are some other themes that emerged um, that folks were kind of continuously bringing up? The river, constantly, which is related to why the tannery was situated, the industrial tannery was situated where it is um, because of that access to the river, which is similar to like many other industrial practices. Um, and then people, you know, talking about how important living near the river and interacting with the river has been for them, um, has been historically, uh, I think, the, the strongest one that we didn't, I didn't expect that to come up. I was excited to see it when it started coming up because of how much I appreciate when people don't separate the landscape from, like, the people on a place, like, I think it's important to, like, look at these things, especially for a place-based project holistically across, like, natural history, cultural history, all these different things come together. And so the fact that so many different people brought up the river without us even baiting them into it, I was very excited about that. Yeah, I think similarly, it was interesting when cement started to pop up. Um, we loved it. We love cement. Um, I, I think it's really interesting because, um, yeah, the way people talked about the aesthetics of the campus and kind of connecting the large cement blocks to issues of toxicity, but also, I don't know, finding beauty in that problematic and like landscape that's connected to the history of the industrial leather tannery, um, but people were also saying, oh, it's so exciting that kids who live on this campus can use this place for skateboarding or for playing basketball. And some of them are now in college on basketball scholarships. And it's all because we have this great cement slab right here. Um, and yeah, I, I really appreciated like this, I don't know, ongoing complexity when it comes to like this place it's environmental conditions and impact. Um, yeah, but also like the beauty of the community and like people who had lived here and continue living here today. And I think on that theme, it's been really beautiful the folks to hear the folks who have worked at the tannery, you know, even while they have expressed, wow, it was just, it was a good solid job that made things more livable. It was rough in some ways too. We'll get to that during this podcast. Um, but even though they like see what is missing since the tannery is no longer a site of like industrial labor, they are all also very excited to see its current like creative and affordable housing form. Everyone has been really lovely about talking about how much they love to see that. And I really enjoyed that like through our conversations with former workers and with artists, like these notions of labor and art like became so intertwined that like both um, folks have been highlighting the artistry of making leather at Salt Tannery, but also the labor of making art. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that, like, often without prompting, like, these notions um, really were coming up for folks together. Another thing that we learned as a part of doing research and outreach for this project from people's stories and then just from the difficulty of being able to access people who had been Salt Tannery workers 
um, is that we were maybe not the most well-equipped to get access to the full extent of the community of folks who had worked there. Um, a large portion of that workforce was, uh, you know, mostly Spanish-speaking or might be folks who would be more comfortable doing an interview in Spanish, um, which you and I are not able to do, you know, as, as comfortably as people might like. Um, and so we recognized that we wanted to do some more deliberate outreach to folks. Um, and so we're still interested in talking to more workers. Um, and we are now able to offer interview processes in Spanish um, with some local collaborators. Um, and that's something I'm really excited about seeing us do, making sure that this project is as representative as possible of the actual community of folks who were part of the SALT's leather worker community. So the way that we're going to organize this podcast is we're going to put together kind of sequences and clips from this oral history interviews that we've conducted and try to put them together for these themes to kind of naturally emerge and to be in conversation with one another. And so in each podcast episode after this one, um, the way we're going to approach it is we will introduce the theme, we will play the sequence um, that will feature this montage of different clips and different conversations. And then we're going to wrap up with a little conversation about those um, clips. If you are a former salt tannery worker or you know one, you should reach out to us. Or if you just have thoughts and feelings about what we said, you should also reach out to us. Um, you should visit extenttannery.com. Uh, and all of the resources about the project are going to be available there. Um, there's a contact us form that you can fill out. If you are in the Santa Cruz area, you can check out the pop-up installation that we're putting together to mark the launch of Extent. And the pop-up installation is going to be available, you guessed it, uh, at the Tannery Arts Center. If you are there after February, the sound installation is still going to be available on your phone. So even if you don't see us around, you can still hear and experience Extend on your phone.